Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is a Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Powered by Schnucks. Eat good to feel great at Schnucks on 101 ESPN. 8.05, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We've got some things coming up with the Fresh Take. John Kelly at 8.15 or so, the fight at 8.30, and then Bob Nightingale of USA Today at 8.45. We do love hearing from you about whether or not baseball is dead to you. And we're going to start with a mic drop from the 101 ESPN app. This is Pat. I feel like as mad as we are now, it'll just be like for me and I think the 2004 lockout with hockey. Now, I was upset. I was hurt because uh, that's my sport. But uh, it's just like Dumb and Dumber with baseball. You know, We're going to get so mad, and then they're going to come back, and we're going to be like, just when I thought you couldn't get any dumber, you do something like this and totally redeem yourself, and then we're back right in their arms watching our sports, spending $15 a beer. <laughs> Probably right. Job, Probably right, Pat. Yeah, they better win. They better be a compelling product, more compelling than the product has been lately. It's just so interesting to me because I, I keep thinking back to before pre-pandemic when we were heading in to the 2020 season, and it was a sentiment in St. Louis that I couldn't quite pinpoint, but people were exasperated with the Cardinals. The lack of offense. People did not believe in this team. They didn't think that it was constructed correctly. They didn't have faith that the team would play the right players. It was a a very weird mentality approaching this season considering that the Cardinals finished in the NLCS, but I understood it. So I was always kind of wondering, are fans not going to show up as much to Bush Stadium this season? And then the pandemic happens. Mm -hmm. Then you have this squabbling between players and owners about billions of dollars. And not to mention that you have a cheating scandal that had gone on in baseball. I just think about all of these things that have been piling up against baseball. And I keep looking here at St. Louis, Missouri and thinking if Cardinals fans are saying I'm done with baseball, even if it's a small percentage, I have to imagine that the percentage of people saying they're done with baseball is bigger in other markets. RG, and that, that's yeah, a problem. Yeah, RJ Kratzer on Twitter says no, but I am disappointed in baseball. Let's get one from Logan here on 101 ESPN. I want baseball back more than anybody. I'm a diehard Cardinals fan. My son's name is Lane Thomas. I think baseball just shouldn't come back just for safety reasons. We got guys like Zeke peak physical condition contracting this virus. What if a cornerstone player or pitcher contracts this and dies? Yeah, that's a scary prospect. Although that percentage of possibility is infinitesimal for a young athlete in great shape. We're going to get to a few more at the end of the segment, but a couple of things. Number one, we talk about the Astros cheating scandal. Michelle, there's a Yankees cheating scandal now, and it's been hidden away, and now because of a lawsuit, it may have to be unsealed, and we are probably going to find out, and the Yankees in baseball are fighting this, that the Yankees were cheating in 2017 as well as the Astros. Unseal those papers. I want to know what's happening. And if you're a baseball... 
it was great to have the Astros be the villain. They were the perfect villain here because not only did they cheat, but they doubled down on their cheating. They showed no remorse, so it was going to be fun to hate them. But then it was the Red Sox, too. And now if it's the Yankees, too, it becomes more of a sport-wide problem. And the, the fun of having the villain is out the window. And again... A pox on Rob Manfred Mm -hmm. because we knew that the Yankees had issues in regards to cheating. That was made public. Well, if baseball didn't investigate this properly, then they look even worse. There's going to be a lot of questions that Rob Manfred is going to have to field after all of this is said and done. Yeah, and uh, I love the fact that people are fine. It was actually a, a... not FanDuel, it was the other one, uh, a lawsuit, uh, DraftKings. It was a DraftKings lawsuit that led to this uh, possibility of the the court filings being unsealed because people are saying that they lost money because the Yankees were cheating. Pretty amazing. Yesterday, Michelle, I was on uh, Chris Long's Greenlight Pod talking about, among other things, the documentary on Sunday night, the Long Gone Summer documentary, and we got into some other things, and there was one thing that struck you, wasn't there? Yes, I love to listen to you two talk. It's so funny now. I mean, Chris is a great member of the media now. We knew who he would be when he was here in St. Louis. He was always such a great spokesperson, and he's such a smart guy. But to hear him interview you after many years of hearing you interview him was a very fun listen, and people should definitely check out Randy's appearance on the Greenlight Podcast, and just subscribe to it anyway. Support our buddy Chris Long. But towards the end, Chris asked you about the Rams being ripped out of St. Louis. He had some questions about the great fans here in St. Louis, where they turn now that they don't have exact laundry to cheer for. And Chris asked you about a potential return for the NFL in St. Louis. And a lot of people wonder, is the NFL ever going to come back to St. Louis? And I expected you, Randy, to firmly slam the door on this, say absolutely not, 0% chance this is ever going to happen. But that's not what you said. Do you think there's ever hope that the NFL comes back and would fans even welcome it? I think fans would. I think right now, the leadership in the community, the the political and business leadership felt so burned by the process that it'd be hard in this generation of leaders to get get everybody on board to build a stadium and to, to pursue a team. Because they really thought that, well, they did everything that the NFL asked them to do to get that stadium plan in place. And then even when they did it, it didn't work out. So I think there's a lot of distrust, but I think a generation down the line that uh, St. Louis has shown itself to be a great sports town. I think if there is an appetite to help with a stadium, I think that people would show up for it, yeah. Well thought out out and pragmatic answer, Randy. And I hear what you're saying about time healing all wounds and another generation of sports fans coming in and welcoming the NFL, but not what I expected to hear from you. No, because I do have, and I believe that I'm with this generation, an inherent distrust of the league. But when we have a new group of county executives and, and governors and mayors and a new group of CEOs of the companies that are investing money in the NFL, they were not the ones that were personally burned by this. And if the NFL is able to sustain, and I am one of the people that believes that the NFL has apexed in America, I don't think that they can go any higher. I think that they can only go down now. Maybe you do buy low later, but I do think a generation down the line might look back and say, you know what, those are the people that screwed up, those previous leaders, we're going to make it work. I could see 
a generation where I'm not here anymore pursuing and getting an NFL team. I just always assumed that the hatred for the NFL would be passed down generationally. And when you think about kids growing up, not only are their parents saying, hey, the NFL burned us with the Rams. You have grandparents mm-hmm. saying, and with the with the Cardinals. I know it was a completely different situation, but to think that two franchises have left St. Louis, if you're a kid growing up in St. Louis, you have your parents and your grandparents saying, mm-mm, the NFL, not for us. That's the, the lens I was looking at it through. But the other thing you're going to have is a group of kids that grow up watching Patrick Mahomes and seeing how cool Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are. And Mm -hmm. they're going to say... Lamar Jackson. Right. In 15 years, they're going to say, boy, the NFL is cool. Look at those guys. I would pay to go watch guys like that play. So I I do think that that generation, once the kids that are five now are 20, 25, 30, I think they'll be willing to buy tickets. You know, life comes at you fast, Randy. Mm-hmm. A week ago, we were talking about baseball returning. Today, the question of the day is, are you done with it? So mm-hmm. while we say we are done with the NFL here, you're right. Who knows what's going to happen 20 years from now? You never know. And let's get one. Rob Manford, don't ask him. <laughs> <laughs> let's get one more mic drop from Rashawn. Good morning, guys. Uh, so I'm pissed at baseball. I think that they absolutely dropped the ball with this thing. Um, they could have been here. Their game is the best set up to handle COVID in, in that they are socially distanced. That, I mean, I say baseball and golf maybe. But uh, if I'm being honest, I, I'm, I'm sitting around watching cornhole on ESPN, <laughs> man. Cornhole championships and, and uh, games I know the outcome of. So if it comes back, I, I'm going to watch it. You know, I'm going to watch it because I'm a sports guy. So, hey. You are so right. That's exactly how I feel. I'm furious. I'm seething in anger today. But if they came back tomorrow, I'd be like, yes, I miss you so much. Thank you. Yeah, just wait till that day where, oh, Flaherty's (laughs) pitching. Okay, can't wait. (laughs) It is so funny you say that because I was was so angry last night. And then I was thinking, but what would I give to watch Jack Flaherty go out there and toss a gem? What would I give to watch maybe the last season, one of the last seasons of Yadier Molina's career in a Cardinals uniform? There's so many things that I care about more than these idiots running this thing that would make me come back. But... I don't know. It's it's really difficult. Rashawn, thanks very much for the mic drop, and we'll get to more of the mic drops coming up at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. Next up, though, we're going to head into the Blues booth. John Kelly, the voice of the Blues on FS Midwest, joins us to talk some hockey. Coming up next on Carriker and Smallman. This is Carriker and Smallman. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. The Blues booth is brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. When it's time for new flooring in your home, real wood provides the best long-term value. Boardwalk has great floors for every home. Visit our three area showrooms and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Yesterday was the one-year anniversary of the Blues Stanley Cup Championship Parade, and I know one of the families that really, really, really enjoyed that parade was the Kelly family. And John Kelly, the voice of the Blues on FS Midwest, is with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. J.K., great to have you with us. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Randy. How are you guys? Doing well. What's your strongest memory? And I know that your family was there for the parade. What's your strongest memory of the Blues Parade from last year? Well, it was one of the best days of my life, quite honestly. And I think um, the word that comes to mind is overwhelmed. Um, when we, we were on a float with the other broadcasters and our families, including my mother and a couple of my siblings, and we turned the corner, Randy, um, onto Market Street, it was like, oh, my goodness, this is <laughs> massive. So I think that's the biggest thing. I, I knew it was going to be a great celebration, and it should have been after 52 years. Um, just the enormity of all 
And, um, you know, I wasn't, you know, we were ahead of the, where the players were. Um, and then when, when we saw the video of, of what the players did during the parade, getting off their floats and high-fiving the, the fans and, you know, bringing the cup to the, to the edge of the street where the fans could see it and touch it, um, they, they got so engaged with, with all the Blues fans. It was amazing. It was just a great parade. John, you probably thought about what that day would be like so many times. Was it in reality better than you ever dreamed it could be? Yeah, it really was, Michelle. It was, um, it, you know, it, it was such a positive celebration, and it, obviously it should be because you just won a championship. Um, but the, the fans were just delirious is the word I would come up with. And, and it was, you know, 40, 50 people deep at some point, and people were standing on tops of parking garages and buildings. And, um, and then at the end of the parade, um, on the stage, looking out over the arch grounds, over a hundred thousand people there, it was, it was just amazing. And, you know, as you know, it rained that morning. And then when the parade was scheduled to start, it, it quit raining and it was just a beautiful day. And what a celebration it was. It was just, a remarkable day for everybody. And John, I, I got to tell you this because when that happened, and I was wearing a, a raincoat, I was thinking it was going to rain all day too. And then the sky is clear, and it's not just kind of cloudy. It's it's a beautiful day. And I'm thinking about your dad, and I'm thinking about Barkley Plager, and I'm, I'm saying there is something divine that is looking down upon us today. And I know that you were thinking about your dad, and your family was so close to Barkley's family that there was something magical about that day. And I think that probably has something to do with it. Yeah, I think so, Randy. Um, I certainly thought about him and, and and Barkley and the late Doug Wickenheiser and, you know, obviously the names go on, some of the great blues that have passed away. Um, but, you know, obviously people like Bobby Plager and, 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 and Al McKinnis, who's been with the organization since 96, um, people who have meant so much to the city and the blues and, and everybody, and, and I'm just so happy for them. And, um, yeah, we just... You know, the biggest thing, Randy, I've said it many times, but for the fans of the Blues who have been so patient, so loyal, who have suffered some disappointments and obviously a lot of great moments, uh, I mean, this team almost moved to Saskatoon <laughs> in, in the 70s, as we know. And, um, you know, they had some really tough times. At one time, one summer, when they were almost on the verge of bankruptcy, they had three employees, and but they persevered and had some great moments and obviously some great people in the organization including some hall of fame players so for for us to finally celebrate a stanley cup was wasn't still to this day is a remarkable um, moment and achievement in my life it's amazing how time flies because i remember interviewing al mckinnis right after he retired and he said his greatest disappointment in hockey was not being able to bring a stanley cup to st louis and then when he's up on the uh, the float I'm interviewing and and he said I've been trying to do this for 25 years to bring a cup to St. Louis and as part of the organization he was able to do that it's amazing how quickly those 25 years pass by yeah and he he played on some great teams as you know Randy and of course he won a Stanley Cup with Calgary back in 1989 I mean I felt that the Blues team that lost to Detroit in the second round in '96 was a heck of a team and, and the team in '01 that loss to the Avalanche um, in the in the Western Final was a, a marvelous team, but it just seemed, Randy, they were missing something um, in, in each particular year or whatever. I mean, in 01, they had a fantastic team, but 
They just didn't have the same goaltending that that Colorado had in particular with Patrick Waugh. And in 96, to me, with when Gretzky was there, you know, they needed a break. They needed that goal, like Maroon's goal against Dallas in double overtime. Instead, Eiserman scored the goal to win one nothing. So, you know, who knows if they would have gotten that break or um, they, they would have been healthy in certain years. I know one year against Vancouver, the team got the flu and lost. So it just seemed like they were close. Um, but for whatever reason, they could never break through. And last year, of course, they broke through in in the most wildly crazy, improbable season in the history of sports, quite honestly. It really was. And that was such a special day for so many reasons. But I think one of the main things for me is that those players really got the fans. They really understood St. Louis. It wasn't just their achievement. They truly realized that this was for everybody in the city. And as you mentioned, John, watching them want to get off of their vehicles and go out and celebrate with the fans in that way, I thought was really rare and really special. Yeah, because I've watched other championship parades and, you know, they engaged the fans and they made them feel special. They didn't sit on that their floats or their cars. Um, and I, I think that's what made the, the parade what it was. It was an amazing celebration. And again, the fans were so well behaved. There were no arrests that I know of. And it's not like the fans were rushing onto the street um, through barricades and things like that. Um, the, the players, I think, they enjoyed the interaction with the fans as much as the fans enjoyed the interaction with the players in the Stanley Cup. It really was just a, a great moment for, for everybody celebrating the Stanley Cup. Hey, John, I want to talk a little bit about this upcoming season because there are hockey players that are just naturals. Mario Lemieux had everything, and he was just a natural hockey player. And it seems like those are the sorts of players Nathan McKinnon looks like one of those guys to me, the the guys that just have the innate ability to be a great hockey player. Who do you think the uh, will stand out for the Blues in this time where we haven't had guys working out and it's a it's a three week training camp and then we're off and running? Who's the natural among the Blues? Well, they have a few. Randy, obviously, uh, you know, obviously, a guy like Tarasenko is just so gifted, you know, with his shot and. You know, what, what some people don't realize, and, and players have told me this, that he might be the fastest player on the team. You know, if, if you had a foot race from one end to the other, he might be the first guy down the ice. So he, he's just got naturally great athletic skills. And, and on defense, obviously, players like Pareko and Petrangelo, um, that they're obviously big guys, but they have tremendous skill and they have great hockey sense. And I think that's, you know, when you, when you ask that question, I think that's one of the things about this Blues team. Not only are they a very close team and they work hard and they defend well, but they have a lot of really smart players. And to me, that that's what separates uh, good teams with great teams and perhaps championship teams. You've got to be smart. Hockey is not a game like football, as we know, where you have set plays and, and things like that. You, you, it's, it's something that you have to really understand and and read and react, and, and that's the thing that I think this team really stands out is that they're such a smart team. But, you know, I'm not worried about the Blues, Randy and Michelle. I think that they're, they're such a close team. They want to defend their Stanley Cup championship, and when, when the time comes, they'll be in shape, they'll be ready to play, and hopefully they can get back to the game as quickly as possible because, quite honestly, you don't have a lot of time. I mean, they might have a couple of preseason games, 
the round-robin games, and then right into a first-round series. So you've got to find your game very quickly, or you could be out in the first or second round. John Kelly, thanks so much for spending a few minutes with us. We appreciate it. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thank you very much. See you. That is John Kelly on 101 ESPN. Of course, you can hear him on FS Midwest. Once we get hockey going again, you'll hear J.K. and Panger. And uh, J.K. with us in the Blues booth. Next up, get ready for the fight. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. Think you can beat down Character? We sure hope you can. The Fight with Character, brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN, 833 AM. It is time for the fight. Colin, what are we fighting for today? Today, we are fighting for a gift card to Sports and Social, St. Louis's newest sports bar and gaming parlor located in Ballpark Village, opening on Wednesday. They have a Tex-Mex themed menu, plenty of games, ample outdoor seating with a great outdoor bar and patio overlooking the new plaza, and much more. I can't wait to check out Sports and Social. I hear it looks very good. Very Sounds good. very cool. It does. Well, let's welcome in our challenger today. Drew is with us. Good morning, Drew. How you doing? Morning, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much. You ready to take on Randy today? Let's go. All right. Question number one, Drew. On this day in 1970, Al Roboski made his Major League debut for the Cardinals. What was Al's highest finish in Cy Young voting? Was it third, fourth, or fifth? Uh, fourth. Question number two. On this day in 1994, Martin Brodeur won the Calder Trophy as the NHL's Rookie of the Year. How many Stanley Cups did Brodeur win in his 21-year career? Was it one, two, or three? Um, two. Question number three. On this day in 2002, Tiger Woods won his second career U.S. Open at Bethpage Black, finishing three shots ahead of Phil Mickelson. How many career majors does Phil have? Is it four, five, or six? Four. And question number four. Yadier Molina has won nine gold gloves in his 16-year career. How many times has he won the Silver Slugger Award? Is it one, two, or three times? Uh, one. All right, Drew. Colin is going out to get Randy. Confidence check from you. How are you feeling after you've gotten the questions? Not as high as I was hoping. <laughs> is there any question you felt really good about? Uh, the Yachty question. All right. I'm not going to say anything, but your confidence is right there. All right, Randy's getting settled. Randy, say good morning to Drew. Hi, Drew. How are you? Good, Randy. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. No problem. Thank you, guys. Question number one, Randy. Yes. On this day in 1970, Al Roboski made his Major League debut for the Cardinals. What was Al's highest finish in Cy Young voting? Youngsters might not realize this, <laughs> but Al was something. So in 1975, Al didn't make the All-Star team. He wasn't chosen by Tommy Lasorda, the manager of the Dodgers. And here in St. Louis, the late, great Marty Hendon, their promotions man extraordinaire, right before the All-Star game, the Dodgers came to town and had... Hawi, Halov, Roboski, Habaner Day. So there was uh, thousands of Al Roboski banners, but every word it started with an H. Because Roboski is yeah. H. And uh, Al that year, I think, finished third in the Cy Young voting. I think he also had a fifth. He was a pretty good closer. 
Question number two. On this day in 1994, Martin Brodeur won the Calder Trophy as the NHL's Rookie of the Year. How many Stanley Cups did Brodeur win in his 21-year career? Three. Randy, also on this day in 2002, Tiger Woods won his second career U.S. Open at Bethpage Black, finishing three shots ahead of Phil Mickelson. How many career majors does Phil have? Phil has, I believe, five majors. And question number four, Randy, Yadier Molina has won nine gold gloves in his 16-year career. Mm -hmm. How many times has he won the Silver Slugger Award? Ooh, Silver Slugger for Yachty. I think in 15, I think the year he was in the top five in MVP, he might have won it. I'm going to go with just that one year where he had the 22 home runs. We've got a winner. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. It's another sweep for Randy. He's got all four correct. Sorry, Drew, he beat you four to one. Let's run through the yeah, answers. Fine. Al Roboski <laughs> finished third in NL Cy Young voting in 1975. Martin Brodeur won three Stanley Cups in his 21-year career, 1999, 2000, and 2003. Phil Mickelson has won five Masters. He's, or excuse me, five Majors. He's won the Masters three times, the PGA once, and the British Open once. Also, shout out to Phil. It's his 50th birthday. All right, Phil, happy birthday. Hey, HBD to Phil. And Yadier Molina has won nine gold gloves and one Silver Slugger award. He won that award in 2013. Drew, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for playing. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. It's interesting. When you look at Al's career, we go back to saves. His career high in saves was 75. He had 22 and led the league with 22 saves. Baseball now, you play 162-game season and you have a closer that finishes with 22 saves. You're looking for a closer the next offseason. That's how much it's changed in 45 years that you've gone from 22 being a really good year to 22 being, oh, we need a new guy. Yeah, absolutely. And a couple of notes for you. Uh, Number one, Fairmont is open today, 4.30. They've got off-track betting, and they made a ton of money last week. So no no fans, but they're going to be racing, so you'll be able to watch them on TV and bet on them. Sounds fun. And uh, our friends at Topgolf have won Wall Street's Best Managed Company of the Year. Wall Street Journal, Best Managed Company of the Year. Our friends at Topgolf and Ben Wolski at our our local Topgolf. Topgolf does a great job. I I just... uh, Texted him to find out if they're open because I'm a huge Top Golf fan. I can't imagine anyone ha- has ever had a bad time at Top Golf. No, it's great. Even you don't have to be a golfer, no. and you'll have a great time. So once they are open, we'll tell you about it, and we want you to get back out there. It is eight thirty nine here on one hundred one ESPN. Michelle and Randy with you, and we've got a poll going. We want to know. If you are done with baseball, and right now we've got nearly 1,800 votes, and it looks like people aren't done with baseball. However, you gave us a really good statistic earlier that in St. Louis, the number of no's is shocking. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at this poll, which is... Or numbers of yeses, I'm sorry. <laughs> what? It's shocking. Number of yeses that they're the, not done the, with baseball? That they are done with baseball. Are you done with baseball? Oh, yes, the correct. Number of yeses. Yes, because if you look at the poll right now, it's 43% of people polling say yes, they're done with baseball, 56.7% saying no. But this is a St. Louis based poll. If 43% of people in St. Louis are waking up this morning, of people polling are waking up in St. Louis this morning at 8.40 saying they're done with baseball, think about that. That is not an insignificant number in the best baseball town in America. Not at all. 
So that's a fantastic point is because I go in and I say, okay, well, no, most people, but then to have nearly half say that they are is alarming. Imagine if we were doing this poll in Seattle or if we're doing this poll in Oakland or if we're doing this poll in Miami, I wonder how many people would just click no without even thinking twice about it. Yeah, it's Cause they're done. Crazy. We have been getting a lot of mic drops. So we appreciate them. Let's hear from Caleb here on 101 ESPN. Morning, Randy, Michelle. Just wanted to say, I was born in December of 94. I've never not known baseball. I was born after the strike. A year without baseball would be as bad as the strike. We need something as exciting as McGuire and Sosa again to get back in the swing of things. Or else, this may be the worst move for baseball in its history, period. And I don't, and first of all, I think it's awesome that Caleb at the age of 25 is as into baseball, but he's a St. Louis guy. But from a national perspective, what could baseball do to excite the populace like McGuire and Sosa did? What's out there for baseball? Probably nothing. I So do you remember when NFL players came out with that video about Black Lives Matter? Yeah. And it was a lot of stars of the league, and you could look at them and say, okay, there's Odell Beckham, there's Patrick Mahomes, and so on and so on. Well, baseball pushed out their version of it. And I was looking at that yesterday wondering, how many of these players does an average fan know? Right. If they're looking at this video, how many of these players would an average sports fan say, oh, that's Dexter Fowler, or that mm-hmm. they could identify who these guys were? Yeah, and Aaron Judge let it off, and yep. you had Judge and Stanton. Yep, there's a lot of star power in there. Right. And but I'm not even denigrating them. I'm just saying in, in the consciousness of star power in America, baseball falls so short. And if you have your biggest stars, some of your biggest stars in that video, and people don't know who they are, you're in for a big reality check if you think that these antics is not going to have a long-lasting effect on your game. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and this is 101 ESPN. Coming up, Bob Nightingale of USA Today. Is baseball done for this year? Bob will give us his take next on 101 ESPN. Jericho and Smallman on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. We head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And our friend Bob Nightingale, kind enough to take a few minutes with us. Bob, good morning. Great to have you with us uh, on this show. How are you? Yeah, doing great. Thanks, Randy. Uh, Let's start with this. You have a piece up at USA Today. People can read it at usatoday.com. That several Major League Baseball players and coaches have tested positive for COVID-19. Obviously, we're focused on the money issues. But how much of a non-starter is this for baseball if they want to get back on the field and playing? Well, it's a huge uh, huge obstacle here just with the uh, Major League Baseball, you know, in the letter telling the union that, hey, you know, we, there's been a, a lot of positive tests here. we got to be careful. And and I think they're saying it, too, is like, you know, let's don't rush into this thing. Uh, you know, we're not wasting time because we can't be in the field right now anyway. Uh, there's a reason why, you know, the NBA and NHL are, are resuming on August 1st. Not that they have to be August 1st, too, but I, I think they're saying it was going to be uh, – Infeasible to start by July 4th weekend and had to be late later in July, just with uh, at least 12 states now spiking, you know, including Arizona and Florida, where some teams will train. Bob, you had Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, on a national platform on ESPN last night, and he called the situation with baseball a disaster. How would you grade Rob Manfred's leadership during this time? Well, you know, he works for the owners, and, you know, so the owners are saying, you know, what to do. 
Uh, you know, he had a conference call yesterday morning, and then you know he went on the air, and, you know, pre-tape thing, and said, "Well, I don't know if this is season or not." Almost a threat that, you know, unless the uh, union comes back to the negotiating table and, and work out an agreement, uh, you know, then they can just cancel the season. More of a, uh, um, uh, more of a bill threat than anything else. So I think both sides get back this week. I think the owners give them the full pro-raise salary, and then they, you know, work out how many games are feasible to be played. Bob, what's your feeling about owners that don't want to play at all? Could a group of owners be an impediment to a season from what you've been able to glean from the sources that you talk to? You know, I think there's a few owners that's, you know, kind of exasperated right now, saying, okay, enough's enough. We're going to lose a ton of money anyway during the regular season. So I think there's a few out there. Obviously, no one wants to be exposed as that owner that looks so bad. You know, their, their big fear is that you play a couple months of regular season uh, and the virus takes a second wave and then wipes out the postseason. You know, then you've got an economic disaster on their hands. We're losing about $900 million to a billion dollars on top of losses of other regular season games. So I think there's a few, uh, few owners like that. And hey, I'm sure there's some, uh, some players, too, that say, you know what, I don't even want to bother with this stuff myself. Bob, even if there is baseball this season, do you think the damage has already been done in the court of public opinion? Do you think that baseball is really going to suffer from a popularity standpoint because of the way that this is played out in the in the public eye? Well, you know, I, I think some people will be disgusted, you know, already just because of, you know, what the country is going through, you know, and now this. Uh, that being said, you know, I think it disappears once the regular season starts, or at least, you know, during the pennant race. I mean, the one thing with the short season, you know, it's almost like an NFL season. Uh, every game means so much. You know, now about, you know, you're talking about each game going to be about tri- triple the value. So, you know, instead of uh, those dog days of summer and, uh, you know, it's a marathon on a sprint, it really is a sprint to the finish line. And just about any, every team in baseball has, you know, a chance to make the postseason. Bob, it's amazing to think about uh, 24 home games, eight. If, you, if you, you're playing three-game series, you play eight home series in a year. And I really hadn't put that into perspective until a couple of days ago. You would think 48-game season, which is essentially a glorified spring training. But eight home series would really be unrealistic for me in terms of being able to look at a season objectively and saying, okay, the best team clearly won here. Right. I mean, you're going to have some flukes. Now, uh, yeah, to be honest, I don't think there's any way to be 48. I think we're looking at least a minimum of 60. I really do. You know, even that, you're only talking about, you know, 10 home series, you know, roughly. Uh, depending on how they want to work it. You know, we'll see if they still want to do the uh, yearly play, which I think they will. So, you know, the Cardinals will still play the uh, AL Central. But, yeah, we're going to have some flukes make it uh, for sure. You know, remember a year ago, the Pirates, uh, as bad as they are, they're only half a game behind the Cardinals at the All-Star break. You know, the Nationals, you know, would have been out. They were 19-51 after 50 games. So we may see a couple of good teams be left out and certainly a, a, a few, you know, new yogurt port teams naked. Bob, we were all obviously very captivated by the documentary Long Gone Summer here in St. Louis. We loved revisiting that home run race in 98. As somebody that covered it and then watched the documentary, did it change? Did anything that happened after the home run race change your view of how that was in that time? No, no it really didn't. Uh, and, I, and I tell people this, that as far as just regular season, 
that was the most thrilling thing I've ever covered in my life. I, it was a blast. You know, I uh, I was mostly on, on the watch and then Sosa watch. Uh, so I was in St. Louis a, a lot. I was there that night. And, uh, you know, it just, you know, when he hit the home run, you know, just, you know, he had goosebumps. And then uh, when he, McGuire, goes in the stands and starts hugging the Maris family, you know, you get tears in your eyes. Uh, you know, I don't think they should, should have been that naive to think, you know, both guys weren't juicing, but half of baseball was. You know, it wasn't a big deal. You know, it's almost like teams wanted those guys on, on uh, those, those players on your team. And, uh, hey, McGuire was a great guy, and I think, or is a great guy. And I think Sosa really helped him, you know, kind of bring that person that personality out of him. And for a while there, I don't think McGuire was enjoying himself at all. But with Sosa having so much fun with it, it helped McGuire have fun with it, too. Bob, it's interesting because I always say that same thing. You tend to agree with me that McGuire and Sosa were playing on essentially a level playing field that year. Yes, they were using, at least McGuire has admitted to using, but so many other guys were that they were the best of the guys that were playing on a certain field. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, McGuire and Sosa, you know, he had all those home runs, but I don't know how many home runs did he hit off pitchers using the juice? There were, there were as many pitchers doing stuff as hitters. It wasn't just wasn't just the hitters. It was going on. You know, there was no testing until, uh, you know, 2005. You know, if they, uh, you know, if you could take that kind of stuff and write like Red Smith or Jim Murray guys would do it. You know, if you broadcast it, it could sound like Ben Scully, they would have done it. But it was, you know, there was no testing. You know, it's like a... Uh, you're driving along a hundred miles stretch, you know, there's no uh, police cars there. You're not going 65 miles an hour. Bob Nightingale, it's always great to hear your voice. Hopefully, we'll uh, hear it talking about actual baseball games coming up in the very near future. But we appreciate you joining us here on Character and Smallman this morning. Sure, my pleasure. Thank you. All right, thanks. That is Bob Nightingale. You can uh, follow him on Twitter at b underscore Nightingale, and of course, read him at USA Today. And one of the things about Bob mentioning that he spent a lot of time here in St. Louis during that summer of 1998. The players at that time, and obviously the newspaper industry has changed and the media has changed dramatically, but players loved USA Today because they would pick it up and they, mm-hmm. that, that, that's what they would read on the plane. That's what they would get on the road. And the perception was that there really wasn't any opinion in the writing of USA Today. It was nice, easy short stories. So, for example, when Bob would come in, McGuire would light up national media. Oh, it's a USA Today guy. That was great. I think he kind of got tired of us at times, the local guys, but for the the national guys like Bob, they, and he's right, Bob, uh, Mark is a great guy, but Mark has always been great to, to Bob. He wasn't always, not that he was bad to me, just sometimes I was non-existent. Sometimes you were invisible. Yeah, literally to him. He's probably like, Randy, again? What more more do you have to ask me? That's kind of what it was, yeah. (laughs) So our thanks to Bob Nightingale for joining us here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got today's big thing, including Are You Done With Baseball? That is a recurring theme throughout this show. More of your mic drops and texts and more coming up on today's big thing on 101 ESPN. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.